And here we go. The Sprithless Goose. <laughs> I don't apocalypse on Shabbos. <laughs> Trump Shabbos. <laughs> I say that doesn't sound like too good of a story for him then. <laughs> yes, it's an 80s film, but it's a quintessential 80s film. That motherfucker gets me excited about science. But yes, I, I do think that this movie requires a couple more views. I have the same cup size as Doc Hawk. <laughs> Give me my sandwich. <laughs> no crusts. Was it an instant classic for you? Uh, no. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, moviegoers of all ages, welcome to Don't Be Crazy Podcast. <laughs> Hi, giggle juice. Hey, hey, this is my show. I'm running the show. I'm Justin Cavender. All right, this is Justin Cavender's Don't Be Crazy podcast, and with me, as always, is my Ed McMahon, Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film fast and present. <laughs> Absolutely amazing, or just pure rubbish. There, all that we ask of each other, you guessed it. Don't be crazy. Don't be crazy, Zach. Oh, man. I need uh, whatever you have there. Oh, man. Grandpa's old cough medicine. <laughs> Dude, I've been fucking back on Grandpa's old cough medicine. I am hopped up. So many drugs in my system right now on account of on account of being sick. Yeah, yeah, sick. Yes. Got, <laughs> Some people call it that. I got, like, the maximum strength, the extra strength, the super-duper mega strength. Um, um, I got pills popping the 11 pro max string yeah, i got pills they're multiplying oh can't take it oh man i i missed your voice yes. uh you you've been working like a dog and it's awesome but uh yeah i'm uh i'm selfish and i have you to myself for the next 60 minutes All right. I a lot with 60 minutes dude you could watch yeah. the show 60 minutes <laughs> And then if I'm feeling good, I'll watch 60 Minutes too. Oh, a lot of ticking in that show. It's like a time bomb. It is like a time bomb. Oh. I feel like Jack Bauer in that show. I don't like it. Yeah. So you got back from NYC. NYC. C. C. There you go. <laughs> Justin C. from NYC. I was trying to think of all the different uh, C's in there. But yeah. yeah. How was Comic-Con? Oh, it's pretty good. I'm a, I'm a VIP there. There was a red carpet. Everyone got to walk on it, but, you know, ah. it was mine for like 30 seconds. Hmm. I had a blast. Um, I did get sick at the end on the way home on the flight. I felt my throat sort of closing up and, and the walls closing all around me and I was getting ill. And now I'm sad about it. But I had a really good time. I had a blast. I met a lot of fun and interesting people. And uh, I can't wait to do it again next year. Yeah, man, that's awesome. Your guys' stuff looks great, and that the booth was was really cool. It was that type of like, what um, I don't even know how to describe it. Is that, but you, it's, our, it's our Star Wars May show line, yeah, the May show line. There you go, yeah, because they had that Darth Vader, and that was awesome. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really really cool. Yes. So, congrats, man. Welcome back to the U.S. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was good stuff. Um, yeah, it's all Japanese inspired um, Star Wars figures from Takayuki Takeya. He is a legendary Japanese sculptor, and he came up with that line, and it's fantastic. And I got to talk about it over and over and over again, and I loved every second of it. I had a lot of really cool visitors come to my booth, and I did the walking and talking and handshaking and hand licking and got sick. (laughs) Ah, yes, which is customary in New York City. You lick the hands first, and then you sweep the leg. Yeah, I think all my fountain drinks were filled up from the gutter. It's pretty crazy. Because you got a graveyard, man. You got every flavor possible. <laughs> Sound the dupe. Yeah. How, how are you? How are things? Enough about me. I'm excited to hear all about you. It's been like two hopping weeks. I know. Uh, I'm good. Um, what did I do? Um, a whole lot of nothing. I've been watching a lot of baseball. Uh, I've been working. Um, working on my, my singing voice. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> i'm more of an enya type of guy oh, yeah. <laughs> um what did i do recently i don't know i can't you probably I, I rode a bike cool. or walked up a mountain or something maybe i both. did i went on, i went on a really good hike and uh, it was cool i got to experience all four seasons in one um because it was raining when we got there to the trailhead it started 
Um, as we kind of came up, the sun was peaking, but it still kind of had that fog. So you got the, you know, kind of the spring look. And then we went through and we got to the very top and it was all covered in snow. So we got our winter. And then at the top, the sun just came full blaring and it was like summer. It was great. It was a warm sun, but we were still on the snow. So it was cool. We got to kind of experience all four seasons. Um, something that's unique about the lovely state of Washington is that and the foliage was was there so um yeah i did that um went to some different festivals for beer and i'm doing a long bike ride tomorrow so that'll be that'll be cool you know sounds like uh, my nightmare (laughs) yeah but it's a great way to stay in shape so (laughs) i don't do that i have i i I am i'm out of shape oh (laughs) i'm not round is a shape i got i got the shake weight (laughs) (laughs) it comes in handy while i'm watching the motion picture shows for this podcast (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, pause it. I gotta work out. Hold on one second. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got the, I got the body by Jake. If you got a door, you got a gym. There you go. That's true. Not. <laughs> oh, what um, what have you been watching lately? What's what's something that you can recommend to me, little old me? Uh, I don't have anything. I've been working so hard that I haven't, I haven't watched anything. I feel bad. I did. Yeah, I did see a out the waitress <laughs> and a cocktail bar. Not much as throat. Um, but I, I did see Joker. I know we're not going to talk about it, but I did see it. I'm glad that I saw it. So now I can be part of the conversation. Um, there's a lot to discuss there, but I will say I never need to go back to that world ever again. I absolutely agree with you. I loved it. That's just my immediate reaction. Joaquin Phoenix is amazing, but I cannot recommend it to the majority of people I know. Um, if it were someone like you, I would recommend it. But like me. It's not, something, <laughs> it's not something that I can really dive back into. Um, and I think that they missed the mark on the script. But everything else I thought was awesome. But <laughs> yeah, so that's <laughs> that's 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 kind of my kind of my view on it. There you so go. there we go. That's enough. Yeah. Um, I watched a Taika Waititi film that I had not seen in well ever. And it's been out for quite a while. It, the Hunt for the Wilder People. Um, I thought that that was awesome. It was on Canopy, and I'm I'm loving Taika Waititi. His new uh, film, oops, sorry, his new film Jojo Rabbit is coming out. Um, I think in a couple weeks, mm-hmm. and you know which that one, which yeah, one yeah, that is, right? the Nazi yeah. kids and and his his imaginary friend is Adolf Hitler. Yeah, <laughs> and um, I mean I am a fan of Taika's, and I will watch anything that that man produces or directs. And so, um, yeah, it was it was really good. It was a awesome story, and Mr. Sam Neill is in that film as well. So that'll be. It was fun that I kind of tied that together. It was totally by, by you know, random by mistake, but it was fun. It was a good film. Turn thumbs way up. <laughs> what a jack. Holy but segueing, what what movie are we going to do today? We are doing Event Horizon from 1997, oh. directed by Paul W.S. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. <laughs> Different Anderson. Ah, He was just Paul Anderson when this one came out. Yeah, he didn't use the WS yet. Mm. He uh, he's just he's just normal, boring Paul Anderson. But the WS that means that's he's ready to spruce this goose. Yeah, um, like he's serious. His movies, uh, I don't, I don't really like all of them. <laughs> I will say, I will say what? that Event Horizon is is probably my favorite Anderson film. Um, yeah. But. Having said that, I will say that uh, Mortal Kombat definitely ranks up there. Like, I really enjoy that movie as a guilty pleasure movie. I have a blast. Uh, Soldier, which featured Kurt Russell, uh, is terrible. Mm-hmm. Not good. Uh, Alien vs Predator. Yeah, I like the, the idea of that movie, but I didn't really enjoy it. Death Race. I can watch Jason Statham beat the shit out of people or drive cars all day. So, I mean, that's sort of my demographic and everything. So that's cool, but. It's not a good movie, but um, I think at the end of the day, Event Horizon is actually a sci-fi horror film that I enjoy, and I'm glad that we chose this movie. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that Mortal Kombat, um, for what it's worth, it was actually pretty damn good, and I really liked Death Race. Um, even though that wasn't an original idea, it was a spinoff of Death Race 2000, I still think it was awesome. Um, everything else is pretty pretty much hot garbage, so that's unfortunate. I like cold garbage. Yeah, the hot the hot smells better. So. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, 
Yeah. So yeah, he's a, he's an interesting guy, but he had some help on this. Uh, screenplay was written by Philip Eisner on it. And I think that's really where this movie shines. And we'll get into that later. Um, in terms of the cast, like you were saying, Paul W.S. Anderson um, is the the director of this film. We got Lawrence Fishburne, Sam Neill, Kathleen Quinlan, Jolie Richardson, Richard T. Jones, Jack Noseworthy, <laughs> Jason Isaacs, or um, as I like to say, Draco's father, Lucius, um, <laughs> Sean, per- he's no good. Sean Pertwee, and Peter Marinker. Ooh, and, and Claire. Can't forget Claire. Holly Shant. Um so, yeah, a very, very good cast, um, especially for the 90s. I mean, 90, this film came out in 97, and that was uh, that was quite the year. You know, we had, uh, what, Titanic that year? We had uh, Men in Black. We had The Lost <laughs> World. Yeah. You're, Are better? <laughs> oh, man. I mean, that was a pretty solid year for film. Um, so, you know, they, they were going against some, some stinkers for sure, but... Um, how did this movie rank amongst those others? How did this do critically? Ooh, not so well. <laughs> it, has, <laughs> it has a 27% on the old to make meter there. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jonathan Rosenbaum says the pits, period. <laughs> Ouch. Oh, yeah, you got paid for that review. That's a good one. <laughs> the pits? That's all he wrote? <laughs> Well, I hope that was on the movie poster. The pits. There's, there's <laughs> definitely more. I just that's the highlight. That's the that's uh, the main takeaway. Um, that's kind of sad. Bob Thomas, Associated Press. He says climax follows climax until the weary viewer wants to cry. Stop already! Exclamation point. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he said exclamation point. <laughs> I like always saying like comma in the name or exclamation point. I don't know why. Just... Question mark? <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Paul Tatara. <laughs> don't worry. It's not you. It really doesn't make any sense. I disagree. I think it does make sense. For the, for for a horror movie, I think that it uh, it follows a formula pretty well. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not, uh, not worried about it. Um, let's see. Jonathan Ferguson, Radio Times. He actually gives it a fresh tomate. Three out of five. Yeah. Fishburn, Sam Neill, Jolie Richardson, and Sean Pertwee bring some class to the determinedly B-movie dialogue, and Anderson delivers some eye-poppingly nasty sequences that will please horror fans. Uh, Ooh, that was a double entendre, too. Double entendre. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah. Um... That's that's pretty much it. It's mostly all mean stuff, which I don't want to bring down the spirit of this podcast because I actually enjoy this movie. And these are hurtful words. Yeah, that's a lot of negativity. I mean, those people just need to drink a seven up and and be happy in their lives. Uh, Chris Cridler, (laughs) real quick, of Baltimore Sun. He says, with high production values and low aspirations, Event Horizon begins as a mildly intriguing science fiction movie and degenerates into yet another slasher flick about evil from another dimension. Hmm. Mm. So he kind of, I mean, he grasped it a little bit better. Right. And he had, he had the right idea of what, what, what uh, W.S. Anderson was I doing. I think he oversimplified, but I think that is a fair assessment. Yeah. Hmm. Agreed. Oh, you know what? Here we go. Uh, from December 14th, 2018. This is, this is interesting because when we talked about possibly doing this movie, one of my concerns was the visual effects not holding up. But mm-hmm. uh, the, uh, Leah Rosen says, uh, despite a few nifty special effects, the sci-fi horror film in which grisly things happen to a space crew after its members board an abandoned ship is a boring and blood-soaked mess. Uh Surprisingly, the special effects did hold up, and I'm actually kind of glad that they did because you know they built this spaceship inside this huge soundstage, and um, I was worried that it was going to be more uh, like '90s visual effects, but it actually worked out just fine. I wasn't ultimately yeah. uh, displeased with anything. I was really concerned because the '90s era of visual effects, where everything went like supercomputer, but that same computer is probably like operating like a drive-through menu right now <laughs> so i was definitely <laughs> concerned but um my concerns quickly went by the wayside as i was watching it i was like no nope, it holds up it's good 
Justin, that was a year where CGI was amazing. We had movies like Starship Troopers, Men in Black, Fifth Element, and Liar Liar. I mean, come on. The visuals were amazing in those movies. <laughs> yes. Starship Troopers, man, so. with the the, the heavy-duty space battle. There, there aren't a lot of movies mm-hmm. where there's a large uh, armada in space attacking one another. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I agree. Um, <clears throat> I think that so I slightly disagree with you. I think that there were some very very '90s CGI parts in this, and it almost felt like the movie wanted to be a 3D film because they yeah, would kind of come right towards towards yeah or towards the foreground, like the, a wrench would be flying, and it was that's to simulate it, the, the zero gravity in space. I think is what that was ultimately trying to convey without yeah. it being a 3D film. Yeah, it sounded it sounded it sounded it looked really weird. Um, so I, I think that they didn't hold up for the for CGI, but it wasn't used as much as I thought it was going to. Right. Be that's, that's what I mean. I see, that's what yeah. I mean. Yeah, exactly. So I think you are right on the money with that. Yeah, I like money. They call me J money. Speaking of, speaking of money, J money, how at much <laughs> CC dot com. J money 69 XX 420. Oh, yeah. And I tell on all my friends in court. <laughs> what? Okay, Jay Money. What? What were the? What were the box office numbers for oh, this? Oh yeah, speaking of money, you could you could shop at the dollar store with this kind of growth. We got one more. Um, <laughs> we need more money. Holy shit! All cast is is partying in Tahiti right now at, with a whopping twenty six point six million dollars domestic. Oh, so it bombed. I could not find a worldwide uh, gross, but that is. That's gross. Yeah, Oof. at twenty three hundred theaters, um, opening weekend it made nine point five million. Oh, that's bad, man. Yeah. Well, it's it's it, like they pay they pay you to see right. it. I mean, it's kind of it's a excuse me, it's a tough um, it's a tough pull because uh, science fiction and horror um, don't always go well together. And it was a summer movie, so there's a lot of competition in the summer. If it were mm-hmm. maybe Halloween, uh, that is more uh, reserved for. The scary movies but yeah and um and a few months after that titanic came out and that was one of the highest grossing films of all time so it's that yeah, it was December. you know it's kind of like yeah yeah and it actually got pushed back because it was supposed to be i think november so it got pushed back a month um so they were kind of going against that it was the same studio as paramount um i believe paramount but uh but yeah, so that was that was always an issue with it. In terms of um, IP and stuff, though, I, I don't think that there's a direct spinoff for certain things. But the the first thing that I can think of is the game Dead Space. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think it dra- draws heavy inspiration from Event Horizon. Heavy inspiration. Um, is there anything else you can think of possibly from it? I, I was thinking of Dead Space the entire time I was watching the movie. Cool. So I will get into a quick recap and then uh, we can start uh, getting our hands dirty, as the French like to say. Sorry for all the French out there. I love you guys. Um, All right. A groundbreaking spaceship, the Event Horizon, which has the capabilities to travel faster than the speed of light, has vanished. A rescue crew is tasked to follow a theory of the ship's location from one Dr. William Weir, creator of said Event Horizon. Believed to be impossible, the crew travels to Weir's... Uh, location and discover the ship not is all as it seems though in this abandoned and eerie craft the crew start hallucinating fear-induced visions while exploring for answers one by one the crew turn on each other as their visions take over their minds captain miller's had enough and wants everyone to leave the event horizon but weir has other thoughts weir was seduced by the ship's core a malicious entity that powers the interdimensional travel of the vessel the mad doctor blows up the escape ship and refuses that anyone leaves. Miller, Cooper, and Stark continue to try to blow up the ship, but Miller is absconded by Weir, now a demonic and mutilated being. Weir tells Miller that the ship is going to take them all to the new hellish dimension, but not before Miller decides to sacrifice himself and blows up the core. Cooper and Stark narrowly escape to an ambiguous rescue crew, waking them from cryosleep. Was this all reality, or have our heroes been stuck in the event horizon me not my best but that was okay so yeah it's a decently simple plot you know they get to where they're going is it real is it not um i definitely think it's real i was just under the impression that um the terrible like hell manifestation that was on the ship that part of it stayed behind on the rescue side of the vessel sweet okay so then let's 
Let's jump and, to and, that. And that's though, why, and that's why had... the doors close. Like they're saying, we're safe, we're safe, and the doors close, and and now they're stuck, and they'll probably do what the original crew did to each other, which was mutilate one another. So yeah, so that's uh, that's a good point. Um, so I was curious on the hallucinations. So <clears throat> before they even get to the event horizon, um, Doctor Weir, Sam Neil, he is having visions of his wife. Um, and he has that vision right after he gets out of cryosleep, uh, where he sees her with no eyes. They aren't even on the ship yet. They haven't seen anything from it yet, but yet he's still having, he has these visions. But one of the big narrative pieces is Stark explains that the ship has, um, it basically has a mind of its own and it's, it's influencing them to be crazy. Right. It's, it's, and... it's reacting like an immune system. It's protecting itself. That was her, that was yes. her understanding of this ship but i mean ultimately who's really sure what's going on i think in his particular case because he is the creator of the ship and he lost his wife while trying to build this ship and he was just so obsessed with his work and that she killed herself um he is just an easy target for the ship like it's almost like it's calling to him basically i don't know yeah it's like art is reflecting life kind of so Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So I was I was thinking about that after because I, I was kind of where you were at with the ending. I'm like, wait, is this real or is it not? But then I, I sat on it and thought about it. I'm like, oh, OK, yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe they just have never been gone. And that that's you're right with the door closing. That kind of signifies yeah. that. I think um, I think with the exception of like Scream 3, not too many horror movies have a happy ending. The very end, like she's at they're at home watching a movie. And she decides to leave the door open for like the first time. Like she feels safe. Oh, and it's like she's yeah. moving on with the life kind of thing. Um, that's just that's the first thing I thought of that actually had an honest to goodness happy ending closure. We don't have to worry about the bad guy anymore. There's always some sort of final jump scare in a movie, you know. And I think in mm-hmm. this case, it was they're not really safe. All they did was bring hell closer to Earth. Ugh. That's creepy. So do you think this ship could then be an allegory for purgatory? Are the characters in purgatory? I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I read, I had to read Dante's Inferno in high school, and I see the parallels from this movie. Um, Sure. But I think the underlying, for me, when it comes to science fiction, the underlying theme is just scientists are bad. <laughs> they they, they <laughs> fuck it up for everybody, man. It's always the scientists and the people that want the money. And uh, it just <laughs> fucking drives me insane. And, and in this case, it is Dr. Grant. He is the bad guy <laughs> and he's the scientist and he ruins it for everybody. Um, I do think it's interesting how, uh, they the event horizon has to go all the way out to like where'd they go like Neptune or some shit. Uh, they had to get uh, past Mars. Yeah, they, I think they had to get like Neptune, that. whatever the stormy planet is. We'll we'll say it's Neptune. Mm-hmm. I, I forget science for a second. Um, <laughs> but they got to get far enough away from Earth since they're going to basically be creating a singularity. I, I love all the stuff about the show, like the idea of mm-hmm. the folding the space faster than light travel isn't possible. But what if we just fold space and time? And just ultimately stay in one spot and travel to another dimension. I think that's so cool. I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, kind of draws from like Dune, and um, I'm on board 100%. And because it's it's all sci-fi, I, I feel like it's easier to just kind of accept. Like it, as crazy as this movie is, it tries to be grounded in that they have. Um, you know, military ranks, they have the vessels, it's search and rescue. They don't want to be there. They are scared, just like we are. Um, and it's just I think it's easy to connect with. Yeah, and we've and we've seen this before in other uh space exploration films like this or space action films like aliens and stuff, you know, they have the ranks. Um <clears throat> even like the set design is pretty similar too. But um but yeah, I I, I think that uh it, it's fun because you're always like, oh, think of the possibilities we would have with faster than light travel and with all the technological advances we have right now. So like self-driving cars, right? That'd be so awesome. But what if these self-driving cars drove us to another dimension? I mean, yeah. <laughs> there's always there's always the ebbs and flows to it. And um, so, yeah, I, I instantly, though, when watching this, I thought of um, The Shining or the movie Cube. Did you see the movie? No, Cube? I never saw Cube. 
Oh, Cube's great. Cube is very, very ambiguous like this film is. And it's a lot about solitude and your mind playing tricks on you kind of thing and what's real, what's not. But definitely like The Shining. That's I think that was one of the taglines, actually. It's like The Shining in space, pretty oh, much. Wow. Um, which, again, and The Shining is one of my favorites, but that's a movie that is so, so unclear. And you you can derive different meaning from it. I mean, there's all these different conspiracy theories on it. And I think that this movie was going in that direction with this. And um, I mean, I agree with you. I love the science aspect to it. I think that's what kind of kept it grounded. But um, but yeah, I instantly just went to maybe they're in purgatory or something like that. And this is like atonement for their sins or they're getting ready to go to hell or whatever. You know right. what I mean? I um, I do like how there wasn't a terrible amount of infighting. At first, it seems like there's going to be, but none of them want to be there. The only one that wants to be there is Weir. Uh, Sam Neill's character. Mm-hmm. So I do like how they just want to work together to get the hell out of there as fast as they can. Um, mm-hmm. Once, once like cabin fever sets in and everyone starts fighting with one another, that's when I start to check out. I hate that. I'm just not a fan mm-hmm. of that. And like Blair Witch, for example, that's just 90 minutes of them fighting with each other. And it drives me insane. Yeah, it is. I, I don't like that either. And and that's been done before. And I, I agree with you. I'm, I mean, there's a little like Smitty is fighting with Dr. Weir, right. um, but that's about it. They're all still part of it. And he, even Cooper, when he's mad at Weir for not believing him, he, you know, he checks himself when Miller tells him like, Hey, stop. Right. Cause he's, it's still military. Um, but you're right. They're all working together. Cause they're like, Hey, we need to get the F out of here. Yeah. Um, so the speed of it was kind of weird too, though. Like, so the intro is very almost jarring. It just starts and it's this kind of weird, uh, almost like heavy rock music. And it just kind of jumps on there. Now the movie's only about 90 minutes long. Um, and there's a story behind that. Uh, but real quick, do you think that this movie suffered from being too fast from being too short? I should say. Um, I, I don't think so. I, I like, a uh, a heart pounding action movie <laughs> edge, of your, edge of your seat yeah we'll sell you the whole thing but you're only gonna need the edge yeah i mean <laughs> that kind even of if i were a director and and i was directing my own love making scene there would be like helicopter shots and there'd be like rack focuses <laughs> and it'd be awesome quick cuts and, and all kinds of fast moving action and it would be amazing and people would love it it'd be wide angle lenses it would be the, it would be the longest <laughs> fastest 30 <laughs> minutes of your life all one <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> um, be a yeah, I don't think experience I'll... with like with, with spray bottles getting you in the face that'd be awesome i don't think i want to see that movie mm. it's pretty good <laughs> um so they uh paul anderson he directed i think um his his final cut was like 130 minutes but uh paramount gave him that august deadline and they were like you need to push this because they were worried titanic was not going to do well they thought it was going to flop and so they needed this to be pushed out before august so his edits weren't he, he wasn't able to get the film that he wanted and um he they archived the footage but apparently there was a a poor archiving process and i think like a few years ago people were asking him if he could pull it out and make his own (laughs) extended like director's cut and uh, andy wants to see it and um (laughs) he (laughs) and uh he um he said they were just damaged so he couldn't do it i would have been really intrigued to see that because I think they would have uh, dove more into the ships like aura and maybe the beginnings, all the flashback scenes with how grotesque it was. Like when he's speaking in Latin and he's holding his eyeballs in his hands, Mm -hmm. like that stuff was crazy to me. That was very Hellraiser. Like that just all reminded me of the Cenobites from Hellraiser. And um, apparently his extended cut was, was just as gory, if not gorier than that. So um, I thought that that would have been kind of fun to, to see at least. Right. So I definitely like how, it was done really fast, like almost in a, a subliminal pace. So you, you, your mind saw what you wanted to see kind of thing. It was happening really, really quick, and it was really gory and really intense. And for me, I think that was just a little bit more of sort of uh, peeking behind the curtain and just getting a glimpse of, of the horror, mm-hmm. uh, just so you can have a, a, an understanding of what like that guy Justin went through. You know, He went through that whole crazy... He went to the other side, and so he got to experience a, a, an overdose of that, and it was too much for him. Um, yeah, the darkness is yeah, coming. Yeah, and he gets all cryptic. It's like, dude, just fucking speak English. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> help your friends out. They don't, they don't have time for your riddles. This is a 90-minute movie. You got to 
You gotta get right to the point. Fucker. <laughs> I know. Fucker. I did like the um the yeah. core, the ship's core, the heart of the ship. I liked how it was sort of um like uh mesmerizing. You know, I had like the sort of hypnotic way about it, uh, with the twirling and the spinning and the lights, the strobe lights. I thought that was really, really cool. I dug that. Mm-hmm. And it actually, well, actually good, reminded good. me of Hellraiser oh. too, because of the you know the pyramid that they always show in Hellraiser, and just sort of the yeah, like sort of that the sharp like, points, as it were. Yeah, <laughs> that's what, totally yeah, what it yeah. reminded me of. <laughs> yeah, no, no, exactly, and perfect. That's a great segue. So, like, I really liked the set design, and like you were saying, it was built on a sound studio. But I, I really enjoyed the set design. I thought it was gothic. It was weird. It was scary, yet not far off from what we could possibly see in the future, but it had, everything was angled sharp, even the doors. So when the doors closed, they look like pincers closing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, in, in the core room, that was cool. Cause the core itself looked amazing. It had these little spikes coming off of it. And then all around the, the walls, you had these really sharp, like pikes, basically like in a mortal Kombat game. And, um, I thought that that was really, really well done. And they probably put a lot of time into that. Now, along the lines of the CGI though, that was in this, this movie, I think, I think this movie could have been a lot better if they used more practical effects. Um, do you think you could have made this with practical effects or did you have to have some of the CGI to show what was going on in the film or, or the gravity of the situation? No pun intended. Um, I think you can always get away with practical effects. You just need, you know, top notch artists um, like the folks over mm-hmm. at like a digital there. Those people are amazing when they're building like, like their statues, they call them bigatures, you know, those little miniatures that are basically huge for their statues and stuff. Um, I think mm-hmm. all of that for the set design looks amazing, but it does get a little tricky when you're playing with um, fire or, or in this case, demons from a hell dimension. I, I think that just kind of it in a way as, as, as silly as it sounds by using the computer generated graphics it, in their mind, it'll look less cheesy. It's hard to make a monster look, um, you know, real in this case, especially when they're teased with these amazing effects from 1997. You know, I mean, it was, it was <laughs> like, top uh, of the like, line, you know, state of the art. They're like, we can totally do this. Um, but yeah. I, I think in, in, in retrospect, it probably would have been better to do the practical effect approach. Um, if you have amazing mm-hmm. artists, but um, I don't know, I could, I could totally see, you know, Wes Anderson has always been sort of that guy that wants to push some sort of technical boundary in his films. He has a, he has a style that just reeks Anderson when you watch his movies. You know, it, it's you can tell it's his movies, especially with like Resident Evil. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's just the way he makes his movies, and so um, it's interesting to to think that he actually had a much larger cut of this film because when I watch it, it seems like he made the movie he wanted to make. See, I I disagree. I feel like he did get rushed by watching it. It just everything uh, transgressed so quickly, like. Dr. Weird just went from zero to evil really quick. And I was like, what? wait, hold on. Like they didn't explain. Well, like, you don't even necessarily need the explanation. I guess well, I think the, expo- they didn't really the explanations give it- were, you know, his wife. I think it was that sort of the closure that he needed with losing his wife. And then he was just sort of uh, just taken over. You know, he was just obsessed with this ship. And you saw that from the beginning. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I get well, what you're you- saying, but in, in my yeah. mind, because I have, uh, an attention span that lasts like nanoseconds. It was perfect for me. <laughs> this this movie screams <laughs> Justin Cavender. <laughs> Jay Money. Money. You know how you know how he um when uh when Miller's trying to set up the charges and everything and Weir is telling him we can't blow it up, you know, we need to do this, we have to we study need more Miller's money. Like, no, we're getting <laughs> Yeah, Miller's like, we're getting the hell out of here. Uh, we have to go home. And Weir's like, I am home. And he backs up into the shadows. You're like, cool. That's the, the time he turns heel. That's the time he's he's a bad guy, right? He's the main enemy. But then they come in after, I can't remember her name, uh, but, but the gal that she chases her son or, or she thinks it's her son, the vision of him, and then falls and dies. Cooper, or not Cooper. Uh, I can't remember her name. Anyways. Yeah. And uh, he comes into the courtroom and he's like shocked. He's like, oh, my gosh, no. Right. But yet he's supposed to be fully bad at that point. Why does he care? And then that's when he gets his eyes ripped out and all that kind of stuff. So I thought that that was that was really odd to me. And there were some other well, little quirks. Throughout yeah, it, it might, it might have been thought, edited yeah. incorrectly. Um, maybe yeah. it was uh, just to speed up the process that was edited that way. Um, but, yeah, I totally get what you're saying. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Pe- and that, that kind of took, took Peters was the one that died. That was the. 
the med tech Peters, lady. Yeah. There we go. Cooper is mm-hmm. uh, the funny man. The comic yeah, the the air guy who know? released all of his air. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and then so a big theme in this film was sight, and more specifically, like eyes. You know, the tagline "Do you see?" That's what they kept saying. Um, Justin's eyes burst, not yours, but baby baby bear's eyes. They burst when he was uh, in that airlock. Yeah, decompression. Uh, Doctor Weir. Yeah. yeah. Dr. Dr. Weir loses his eyes uh, at that scene I was just talking about. They just get removed um, and then they're sewn up. Um, and then Weir's wife has no eyes every time we see that. What what possibly does that mean? What does that line do you see mean to you at least? Um, I don't know. Maybe it's like um, just past, you know, seeing past yourself and into this horrible dimension. Seeing the the, yeah. the possibilities, as it were. The edge of space and time. Yeah, um, I, I, I think that so <clears throat> the entire time, I mean, every every crew member has seen a vision of, of something. And I I think that that's the ship telling them, like, do you see that this is it? And it's also kind of alluding to the fact that they're not going to leave. An event horizon is that border around a black hole. That's like that's the danger zone. You know, you can't escape that. That's going to happen. And so I, I think that's what it cleared up for me at the end when I really thought about it by that door closing i'm like okay they they're not gone you have to second guess what you see and realize that um seeing is not always believing it could just be some sort of random thing and even miller it has the sense you know to be like this isn't real this isn't real i don't see this but who's to say that that he's not already dead or who's to say that you know he actually blew up the ship and so that's where i think that the script works really well and I, and I understand kind of what they were doing or at least what I think that they were doing and I really appreciated that um, so so I think that the, the sight of, of what their desires were you know because what was her name again Peters mm-hmm. the, the gal so she she desired to see her son again right right um, and uh, Miller desired to save the crew member who he lost who he swore he would never lose again which comes back to bite him in the ass you know when he's fighting uh, Weir demonic Weir and it starts out as that crew member he's like you're not real changes back to Weir um, same thing like with Justin Justin is seeing the darkness or whatever and they don't actually show that um, and then Weir sees his wife that's like the only thing that he wants even though they allude to her death she killed herself in the bathtub and we don't know if that's real or not but we assume it is because that's why he's so distraught i feel like i mean we don't really see anything but if he's if he's working over trying to create this ship and build this ship and he's obsessing over it maybe she just felt invisible in this relationship and she felt lost and that's why she killed herself did she feel lost in space (laughs) um but yeah I, i thought that that was it was pretty on the nose for certain parts, but definitely um, had me thinking. And again, I, I look at this like The Shining, where um, I see the event horizon as this giant, desolate place that plays tricks on your mind. And you start to hallucinate, you start to see different things. And that could be a microcosm for space. Um, I mean, space is vast. I, I couldn't imagine being up there for that long. I mean, who knows how long they're up in that ship, but it could drive you insane. And that's kind of what the shining's like, right? With that isolation and what it can do to you. So I really like that psychological aspect of this film and what they were trying to accomplish with right. it. Um, or, or so how I took it out. I think this movie definitely deserves a second viewing from people. Um, Cause you, you read the the things earlier and they were just, they were hot garbage, but um, and that's, that's just unfortunate. <laughs> pits like that's just so unfortunate and i I think it's a classic case of letting a movie maybe marinate for a little while in your mind but also giving it a second chance if you can really get beyond the surface level stuff because i can totally see their point of view for some things but i really i like the 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 step that they took because they were making a horror film but they're also blending it with sci-fi and what's wrong with that right ain't ain't nothing wrong with that did you ever see the movie pandorum Yes, so I thought of that movie too, and I forgot what it was called, but yeah, the one with um, Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah and um, uh, Kit something like Kit, Cam, Cam Gigadent yeah. or something like that. Ben Foster yeah. was in it. Yeah, I just call him uh, Never Back Down. because Oh really yeah, remember. that was like Bloodsport, but not really. I liked Never Back Down, it was cool. Um, 
But yeah, that was a that was a lot like this. And I, I feel like that movie took a lot of inspiration from Event Horizon. It had to have. I don't see why it wouldn't. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, like, that's a good movie, but we can make it better. Look at Dennis Quaid. <laughs> It's a good movie, but you shouldn't see it. You should see my uh, movie. <laughs> I, I only saw it the one time, and I remember it sort of had a happy ending. There's all these pot, escape pods, and they landed yeah. in the water, and they got, the, they got to live. I don't know. Well, and, and I think, well, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't that also ambiguous at the end? Like, you think they escaped, but they possibly didn't? It's kind of like that Planet of the Apes thing where they think they escaped, but it's not. They're actually on a planet, and it's overrun by <laughs> apes. I, I don't know. I thought that they had ejaculated onto a water planet and that they were safe, but I don't remember. Neither do I. That's how unfair yeah, I'm not gonna, it really was. I'm not going to watch but, it again. I know that much. No. Well, and, and like the first horror film that I that comes to mind that I think e. of a... Joss, Predator, Beverly Hills Cop. <laughs> Stop. Stop! Is uh is the Hills Have Eyes the remake? So you know when you're like, oh okay, they survived. He he rekindled with the the brother and sister and the dogs and the baby. But then you see it zooms out and it's through a new mutant's binoculars, and you're like, shit. Well, this is gonna be bad. So I think that that's what was cool about this is how it ended. Like you were saying about that horror film, and there you're right. There aren't that many horror films that have a really happy ending. It's always like you know what's next sort of thing. There's always a, a surprise at the end. Um, you could say that for some science fiction films too, though. Um, I don't have any good examples, so don't <laughs> quote me. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm sure that there are some that are... Oh, okay, Blade Runner, right? Blade Runner, how it ends. You think that it's happy, but he sees a little origami crane, and he's like, oh, shit. So Deckard and Rachel have to run away together. Run away together. But um, yeah, there, it, that just happens a lot in, in these types of films, and I really like that they blended these two genres. Um, would you classify this as a horror film or a sci-fi uh, film? It has to. It had a baby. It's a sci-fi horror. <laughs> no, no, no. I would, sorry, those aren't. I, those aren't I the would rules, say man. that it is science fiction. I think that science fiction can uh, be a broader term for horror as well, because hor- horrible things I can agree. happen in the world of science and fiction. <laughs> I agree. I think that the visuals in this were really, really cool, and I, I liked. So it terrifies the shit out of me for anything hell related. I'm not a religious person by any means, but um, whenever they like when I saw Hellraiser when I was a kid, oh, my goodness. Every time I walked into the to the video store at the Albertsons um, and that cover was there, that VHS cover was there, I would have just nightmares. And I was like, why did I do that? Why? I, I knew it was there and I walked by it. I just I hated Pinhead. I hated the Cenobites. It terrified yeah. me. And I think it was on TV one day and I was like, what the fuck is this? And I, I was on like Cinemax or whatever, trying to look at boobs or something. And, <laughs> um, and, it, and it was on, and it was on and it was at like a scene. It was I think it was at the end when when the, the bad guy gets all of his skin ripped off by the oh, hooks. Yeah. And I was like, this is disgusting. So it terrified me. Yeah. So this kind of I had PTSD a little bit from this because there's that quick flash scene when he explains, you know, you're, you guys aren't leaving anywhere. We're going to my dimension. And then he sh- gives him that glimpse of everybody on his crew getting tortured in hell, basically. Um, that was I was like, oh, shit, this is going to suck. So that's a scary thing about about exploring. So I guess the rule from this film is never explore. Always stay in your house. <laughs> stay in your stay in your bubble. <laughs> Don't do yeah. anything. Is that yeah, what you just, gathered just from it? Don't go anywhere. Just stay inside, <laughs> play video games, watch The Office, whatever. Don't take it easy. <laughs> yeah. I'm Brittany. Uh, uh, yeah, I like this yeah. one. It's a good movie. So, you should go. See. It's, a, <laughs> it's a good movie. You should go see it. J. C. C. Cavender. J. I mean, C. I, Cavender. it is crazy to think that you now because you know. It, Knowing now that there was much more material that was cut from the movie, I am curious to see how that would play out to ultimately them getting a little bit more crazy. Um, you know, are they dealing with more fears? Maybe Justin, maybe we even got to see the darkness that he was talking about. Maybe he was, maybe he had problems uh, in his life. And that was the darkness that he's referring mm-hmm. to. And, and in this case, because it was cut, we just refer to that darkness as whatever he saw in um, on the other side. Uh, I'm curious if yeah, he had some absolutely. sort of demons that he was fighting on a personal level um, that we just did not get to see. And then same with um, uh, Draco Malfoy's dad. Um, yeah, DJ. he 
he got violent quick. Like he's all putting the knife to the dude's throat. He's like, yeah, that was, the, that was the other example. Yeah. That was the other example. I'm like, wait a minute. He's all, he's all violent now, but there was no explanation yeah. for it. He, he just, he, he had the scalpel and they were like, DJ let go. And he just was like, I snapped. I'm sorry. Like, again, you're, you're absolutely right. Like we, these are questions that we would have had answered with a longer cut, but unfortunately we'll never yeah. be able to see that, which is a freaking. And then, and then even when, when Miller, right. when sent, when, when, um, Lawrence Fishburne warns him that, um, that Dr. Grant is on the way. Um, he's like, oh, don't worry about him. And he grabs like all these saws and he's like, yeah, I'm going to fuck this guy up. <laughs> like, dude, <laughs> what, 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 what Rambo are they on in the future right now? It's like, dude, chill out. <laughs> yeah. It's roids, man. He was, he was ready roids. to cut the vato um, and um, I was impressed. <laughs> the initial rough cut that Anderson did, um, it received a NC-17 oh. rating. So he had to he had to cut yeah. that down. There was some pretty gory death. images. I remember uh, not this viewing, but a viewing a couple of years ago. I was pausing it and doing sort of slow motion as those visions were happening, just to see how gross it was. And there's like barbed wire and blood mm-hmm. and things coming out of their mouths, and it's it's pretty gross. People cut in half. Dude, yeah. it's pretty nasty. Yeah, there was like like there's yeah there's some disturbing scenes in there. So I can totally see that, but that's why I think it was so. I mean that was his vision of hell. I don't I mean people can have whatever vision they want of hell, but like that was his and that he, he relayed that to us and it was so subjective. So I thought that I was, yeah, really I, cool. I'm glad that it was um, um, really fast. I, I like the idea of my imagination playing off of it more than, than just flat out in your face violence. Um, I will say that mm-hmm. one of my, if, if I'm allowed to have a favorite version of hell in cinema, um, I think that the, the <laughs> I think that uh, <laughs> Constantine had a really cool vibe of hell with like sort of that, just that endless uh, wave of heat that's sort of going by and just all the dust and all those dogs running around. Um, I, th- I thought that was just creepy and it was sort of hell on earth. You know, it's, it sort of looks like uh, after an atomic bomb would have gone off and then it's just a constant flow of just heat and fire and, and demons. I thought that was pretty neat. My favorite hell is from Little Nicky when they go there and Harvey yeah. Keitel is the devil. I'm Nicky. Super devil, dude. Give me that, little girl. Uh, yeah, no, Constantine's awesome, especially. I, I just love that aspect when he's like, tell your boss yeah. I'm coming for him. And um, no, that, that hell was really cool. You're right. It was very post-apocalyptic. Um, oh, yeah. Like this says Clive Barker, whose movie Hellraiser was a huge influence for the film, consulted on the project project during pre-production so there you go so i think that's why you get a lot of the chains and those gruesome effects um because hellraiser yeah, was like in the 80s correct and so that's why you 87 yep exactly back in 87 <laughs> coach would put yeah. me <laughs> yeah the man, they want to they want to got all those pins off that face well a pin collection pin collection um yeah well i mean that's all i really have on it um what what letter grade can you can you give this this film? Oh man, that's bat? uh, that's tough. I would say if if I had to give it a grade, <laughs> if I were on a podcast and I was told to give it a grade and write about it and talk about it and do all these fun and festive things, I, I would say it's probably you know a, a B minus C plus. It's good. I think I'm right. I'm right there with you. I like that B minus C plus range. I can't. I can't go higher than a B minus just because there are, I, I think the time or the, the length of this film really kind of fudged it up for me. And um, like, like you and I were just saying the missing elements of it and the explanations. I don't think that in most films you need a ton of explanation, but these were crucial to the story. So it seemed very odd, but um, I really, really liked what they were going with and the idea behind it. And um, I mean, that's essentially Dead Space had to be a direct reflection of this. I mean, there's no other way. That's it has to be right. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd probably say a B minus or a C plus mm-hmm. there. I think that that's, that's an astute <laughs> observation. <laughs> Apt. Who you calling astute, <laughs> motherfucker? You. <laughs> Ooh, Jeremy Irons was originally set oh, to star I like in his this. voice. I love Jeremy Irons. Arnold Schwarzenegger was considered for the role like of Captain that. Miller. You know, okay, I, I forgot. I don't like that um, just thinking about this, uh, Captain Miller's little chair that's hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> I think 
like, I think that looks yeah, his so ridiculous when he just his, his, <laughs> his knees are all like right touching each other. <laughs> They're just kind of floating about and he's turning and spinning. And I'm just thinking to myself, my goodness, that is that's a tad bit ridiculous. He looks so so uncomfortable in, in that chair and it looks so out of place. Like get a real chair, just put yeah. up a stool or something like oh. that. You don't need to turn every direction to face people when they're talking. That was that was a much. I would if if I could revisit <laughs> the uh, what was it called the Lewis and Clark. I would uh, I would do some uh, retrofitting to the the seat, the captain's chair. You'd go. You'd go. Justin yeah. wants to see it. <laughs> <laughs> it would be it would be like a heart shaped couch. <laughs> oh man well this is fun because we have uh we decided to bangerang out some uh episodes in honor of the spooky month of halloween uh or what did i say the spooky month of halloween wow um the spooky month of october yeah yeah so for the next one we are doing Ooh, which one we can do tejas yeah so we are gonna do the 1974 gruesome grizzly maniacal classic the texas chainsaw massacre um just a hint i have never seen this movie before in its entirety um i am aware of the immense pressure and um inspiration it's had on hollywood and horror films in general but i have not seen it in its entirety and sneak peek it's a good one (laughs) (laughs) so that'll be uh that'll be fun so we will record that and you guys can listen and um yeah we're gonna try to make this a real fun october for you uh mr cavender did i tell you that i'm gonna be coming down to la yes i cannot wait i'm excited yeah i'm i'm gonna have i don't have any funny jokes because I'm not funny right now, but yeah, it's gonna be fun. I uh, I'm gonna go visit my buddy down there, and then I'll come and I'll I'll see you guys, and we can go to the beach, draw a heart in the sand. Oh my god, I'm gonna I'm I'm shine a flashlight into the sky and have you follow it all the way to my house. <laughs> Am I a cat? Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. Like, oh, it's like a shiny beacon. <laughs> oh man, well that's all all I have on uh, Event Horizon. Uh, that anything is it. else other than the chair? Chair's got to go. <laughs> chair's got to go. Hey, Paul, what's up with the chair? <laughs> he, he probably thought that was the coolest thing ever and didn't take any shit from anyone. He's like, nope, chair's staying. So it's like, I got a suggestion. If he, it's he about probably... the chair, just shut the fuck up. It's staying. <laughs> he probably has it in his house. Yeah. Like, he probably saved it. And it's it's now in it's it's, his video yeah. game chair. <laughs> really, really uncomfortable when he's turning. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> Jesus it is Christ. pretty bad. I, I never understood it. It made no sense to me. I was like, okay, yeah, good yeah. choice, I guess. Everything else, great. But that, yeah. piss poor. So, <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. Remember to follow us on Twitter at DBCrazyPod, at EdgyArmo, and at ZachDale60, where you can share your thoughts with us and we'll discuss them on our show. Heck, you can even... <laughs> you... <laughs> Shoot darn heck, you can even tell us what movie you think we should watch for our next episode. Uh, Just please remember, don't be crazy. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much.